Welcome to Forests, Folklore, and Fantasy. My name is Kelly, but I write and publish under my initials as K.M. Rice. Thank you so very much for joining me today. This is the very first episode in a little mini-series called That's What I'm Talking About, because, again, I'm such a big J.R.R. Tolkien fan and have so many connections in the Tolkien fandom, and I am delighted to share with you that my very first ever interview guest is my dear friend and fellow Tolkien enthusiast, Caitlin, from Tea with Tolkien. So I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy our geeky and sometimes poignant conversation about an author near and dear to both of our hearts. Caitlin, I am so excited to have you as my first ever guest on Forests, Folklore, and Fantasy. Um, Please say hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Caitlin and I met, was it 2022? Yes, I think so. I can't believe it was that long ago now. Um, We met in all places uh, on a rooftop in London at um, sort of an event that was being hosted by Prime Video to gather a bunch of us Tolkien nerds together to get us excited about their new show, Rings of Power, which has since uh, had its debut to the world. And in fact, we're waiting on season two right now. Um, So Caitlin and I can say that we met on a rooftop in London. (laughs) Yes, I remember I saw you and you were wearing like... um... I think you had like that Arwen headpiece, like a little crown thing. And I was like, who is this girl with this like pretty crown thing on? She looks so nice. Because like I'm used to going to conventions and stuff. And so I don't know if I like misunderstood what was happening, but I was like, I'm going to, I'm like, I'm not going to wear a costume, but I'm definitely going to wear something that represents like how hardcore I am. And then I got to the little like intro dinner party, whatever it was, and was like, oh, 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 everyone's in normal clothes. That That's OK. That's all right. Like, well, I, I, I feel like it really fit the vibe, though. It was like because it didn't look like cosplay. It was just like, oh, and then I recognized you from your YouTube channel. So I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Oh, <laughs> and we just I don't know, like. I feel like we never really had a conversation of like, let's hang out. I feel like we just naturally gravitated toward each other and started just kind of being adventure buddies as we went through a lot of these prime video hosted events. And then later San Diego Comic Con. I feel like we were some of the only women on the trip, too. So I think that probably helped a lot. Like we were like, girls, we need to stick together. Yeah, definitely. And that was a big learning experience too, having there be so few women mm-hmm. out of like 30 people. I think there were like five yeah. women. Um, that just the nature of the conversations that 
I think us women had at the start. And then I started talking to some of the men and realized, wow, I could tell you where every single one of these women went to school. I could tell you if they have a partner or not. And I can tell you if they have children or not and why they like Tolkien and why they're here and how they got here. And the dudes can tell you what their favorite sword is. <laughs> yeah. <Please. laughs> they're like, who's your favorite first age elf? <laughs> yeah. Which I'm not saying that a lot of female Tolkien fans and in particular the women who we got to meet through these events couldn't do that it's just we were more interested in building a groundwork as people and like well who are you and where do you come from and what brought you here right right so on that subject I personally was not aware of your work before we met and I would love to hear your story about when you first discovered the works of J.R.R. Tolkien and a little bit about what it was about his works that drew you in. Sure. Um, I think I was like 10, 10 or so uh, when I first discovered Tolkien because the movies were coming out. And I unfortunately didn't get to see the films in theaters um, just because, you know, at that age, you're kind of up to, it's a kind of up to your parents discretion I, I, I can't drive I can't get myself to the movie theater and <laughs> I, I don't for some reason I, I think maybe they were interested in Lord of the Rings so um, I didn't get to see them in the theaters unfortunately but someone had but given I think they were PG-13 weren't they maybe, so they maybe they thought it was too scary for me um, yeah but someone had given my dad the DVD um or it, mm. it might have been a VHS, actually. It might have been like our one of our very last VHSs that we ever owned. <laughs> um, but they gave it to him for his birthday. And I just like saw it laying out um, like on the table or something. And I was like, what is this? Uh, and so I was hooked. And after that, of course, I got the books. And I struggled through them uh, on my first couple of attempts just because... I was mm. young and I hadn't ever read anything like that before, but throughout high school, I got really, really into the Lord of the Rings and in junior high too. I was um, like, I was trying to teach myself Elvish and uh, like doodling on my notebooks and stuff. Um, but it kind of just followed me through like all of my childhood and adolescence and then um when I was a little bit older, one of my best friends gave me a copy of the Silmarillion as a wedding gift, and they wrote this really nice Ooh. message in it. And so that was the first copy of the Silmarillion that I ever owned. And it's kind of just like snowballed from there. Of just, It's like I, I stepped into Middle Earth and I didn't ever want to leave. Well, I find that really impressive because you mentioned that it's been a, it was a little bit challenging to get into it and to read the books as a child many people find it challenging to read tolkien's works as an adult oh, for sure and yet by high school it sounds like you were it was smooth sailing for you <laughs> i mean i definitely didn't understand all of it you know there's so much nuance and even like going back mm. and rereading it now 20 years later it's there are still things i'm picking up on um and that's like the beauty of tolkien i think but I was, you know, I was getting the gist of it, and I thought, you know, hobbits are so cool. I love elves. There's swords and rings. It's magic. Like, what's not to love? Yeah. And is that that love of the world that Tolkien created, is that what led to you 
creating this whole, I'll call it a community. Like you've created a whole community um, that we know as Tea with Tolkien. So Tea with Tolkien perhaps started as, correct me if I'm wrong, did it start as a blog? Yeah, it, it did. It started as a blog with a Facebook group. So there was always there's always been a community aspect to it and that's kind of what I've always wanted to build out of it like I don't want it to be like centered on me it's not like go to my blog and read everything I write I want it to be something where it's like go to my blog and get connected to our community because there are thousands of people here who are interested in Tolkien just as much as you and we can all learn from each other so it started out as a Facebook group um but I just don't really like being on Facebook um like just the way mm. that it's set up it just personally I don't find it enjoyable so eventually we moved over to discord and we have a Discord server right now uh, where we all kind of hang out. We have a book club that um, we read a couple different Tolkien books each year. Like um, right now, one of my moderators is leading a book club of the Book of Lost Tales. So that's really cool. And then later on this year, I'm going to lead a Silmarillion book club. So we kind of just pick a couple books every year to do book clubs for. And that's like the core of our community. That's so fun because... That's what one of my goals always was with Happy Hobbit as well, was to try to foster a community that, I mean, it's in our name, Happy, that a community that is centered around positivity and the uplifting aspects of Tolkien. Because one of the reasons that I was really drawn to Tolkien, um, I was going through a bout of depression and reading just concerning hobbits was like a lifeline for me mm -hmm. and really ironically grounded me and i say ironically because i know it's fantasy but i wanted to capture that love and share it with other people did you like what spurned this desire in you to connect to the wider world instead of keeping it just between you and the books I think a lot of Tolkien fans can probably relate to this sense of loneliness that you can experience in kind of like your normal everyday spheres. Like you go to work and what are the odds that one of your coworkers is as big of a Tolkien nerd as you are? Like those odds are very low. <laughs> but if you log on to the internet, suddenly you have at your fingertips like, you know, thousands, probably there are probably millions, I would guess, of Tolkien fans um out there and so if you kind of create a hub for these people to come it's amazing to see them they actually show up and then you can have all of these really amazing conversations that you can't just have you know like i'll go to like a, a mom's night out um in our community and nobody wants to talk about the lord of the rings they just want to talk about you know their their kids and and all of that is fun and interesting or you go to work and you just talk about kind of work-related subjects so to have this very niche space where there are so many people who want to get super super nerdy with you and you can ask each other about like who is your favorite first age elf like that's such a unique experience that before the internet we couldn't really have that sort of conversation or that sense of community like you would you would just have to read the book and then I don't know, just 
then you're done. Um, but but through these online communities, we can continue these conversations and we can enrich our understanding of these books and we can kind of grow alongside each other and form these fellowships, which is just it's so wonderful. And I've met so many wonderful people, like including yourself and everyone else that was at um, our Amazon group thing and at Comic-Con and, um, you know, even just on Twitter, especially, I've made so many friends through this. Some of them are like my kids' godparents now. Um, Wow. And so it's just, it's just like such a privilege that we have, I guess, with all of the technology that exists now that we can just like step out into the internet and find people who love Tolkien or whatever kind of niche interest as much as you and you can really connect with them. But I also want to give some credit to you because in your, through the community that has, I won't necessarily say that you created because I don't think you'd be comfortable with that, (laughs) but the community that has rallied around your online presence there's a reason that that has happened, and that's because you've set a specific tone. Mm-hmm. You've set a specific lens through which you're examining Tolkien, and you're fostering that. And I know that you probably have to do a lot of, I'll call it pruning, or hopefully you've got moderators, it sounds like, too, to help you with pruning of of some of the people who might be bringing some hatred or negativity into your sphere. But I just wanted to point out the fact that it's not just the fact that you're talking about Tolkien, it's that you're bringing a piece of who you are and your love for this his works that's drawing other people to you and that there's a lot of effort that goes into that. So I think very well done, Caitlin. Thank you. That's very sweet of you. You're welcome. So how has your community grown over the years to get to the point where someone at Prime Video took notice of you to the point of wanting to bring you on this that trip that we both were so fortunate to go on to London. Yeah, that was crazy. I honestly have no idea how they found me because um, I did not feel like I was at a level of... Um, recognition that it it just didn't it it didn't really make sense to me it felt like um it felt like maybe they had like one last spot to fill and they just found me to fill the spot um but yeah sounds like um, a little bit of imposter syndrome (laughs) yes for sure (laughs) well one funny thing happened at one of our amazon events where we we were having a lunch and everyone had a name tag at at the seat or like a place card and on my place card they spelled both my first name and my last name wrong oh no and i kept that because i i feel like whenever i'm gonna get a big head like that just uh humbles me and it kind of keeps me grounded like i might have a place at the table but my name tag is spelled wrong um (laughs) i don't think there's any fear of you getting a big head caitlin because of these things and I hold on to it like I kept that name tag because I I, I don't ever want to be like someone with a big ego so um but my I started to with Tolkien in 2017 and we had the Facebook group and you know there was like a couple hundred people in it um and then when I got really into Twitter 
And that's kind of where it all went crazy because Twitter is such a good place for networking. Mm. And I don't think a lot of people realize this, but you can you can go and you can connect with these people who do have really big platforms, even if you don't. Um, maybe not as much now. I think Twitter has changed a lot, but you know, five years ago, I think this was the case. And um, just, I don't even know, it also feels like luck, or maybe I was just putting out some good content, but accounts like the one ring.net, who is like, they're one of the biggest Tolkien accounts on the internet. Um, they would be like sharing my stuff. And I think that helped a lot to kind of draw the right um, audience to me because not everyone who follows the one ring is going to be interested in my specific niche mm-hmm. but kind of getting that out there it's like the people who want to see it or need to see it they will find it and then they can kind of come to my community and we then we get them plugged into the discord and um, it's just been really nice yeah it's so wonderful to encounter those groups or those individuals who are willing to essentially validate your online presence and help you boost the signal right like I remember the the day that the Tolkien Society followed me back and I was like you know I've made it like (laughs) (laughs) so how did it feel when you got that invitation to go on on this whirlwind adventure to London and meet a bunch of other Tolkien content creators and um our listeners may not know, but part of that experience was we got to have a guided tour of Oxford, which is where Tolkien for at some point in his education went attended school, but also where he was a professor and he taught. Um, So what was that like for you? It was crazy. Um, When I got the email from them, I actually, I thought it was a fake. I thought it was a scam (laughs) and I almost deleted it because... (laughs) I was like, why in the world would Amazon email me? That's crazy. And then after that, after I had decided, I I, um, I Googled the email address and it looked real. So then I was like, wow, this is, I don't, I don't even know. Like, do I even, do I want to do this? Because, you know, there was. Which I should, I should say we had very short notice. I had three weeks. I don't know how long you had, but my passport was expired and so I had to do the like emergency passport renewal situation, which involved me flying to New Orleans to the passport <gasps> center there because um, there weren't any passport centers closer. This so it it was like two days before my flight, I had to fly. Oh my gosh! New Orleans to get my emergency passport renewal and then fly home. Luckily, it all worked out because at the time we had a um, really wonderful babysitter who was helping our family out. So I could do these like really flexible kind of spur of the moment crazy things. Yeah. So I miraculously got my passport in time. And and then this was during COVID too. So we had to get those, um, you had to get the like last minute COVID test that was within That's right. like eight hours of your flight or something. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Thankfully, I found a place that would do that because I live in a pretty small town and like we don't have these these like, you know, specialty labs. Uh, Right. So I I miraculously got all that. And it was it was such a cool trip just because of the way that we got to connect with each other. Like I had been to Oxford before. And so um, seeing it was cool. But the 
the best part for sure was getting to know everyone, like getting to meet you and um, Nerd of the Rings and the Prancing Pony guys. Um, that was just really, really cool. Like, I'm really thankful for that whole experience of just like now I can call you guys friends and then we get to see each other at these other events. And it's it's so fun. I'm honored to call you one of my friends, Caitlin. Oh, and I love that this is so dorky, but I love that both of our names start with a K. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, it's Isn't Kelly and Caitlin. It's Caitlin and Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> and we both spell our names a little, well, I suppose our parents chose the spelling, but our names are spelled a little differently than the average Kelly and Caitlin. Yes, hence why my name tag was as <laughs> well. I can't even remember. I, I suppose mine must have been spelled correctly. Otherwise, it would have stuck with yeah, because I was sitting by but, you at our lunch so I'm pretty sure I would have yeah. noticed I think you would have because you're you have a great eye for detail oh thank you that that's something that I think you know if I could speak about aesthetics that's something that I think I really appreciate about the community that you've fostered and I don't want to call it a brand because it's not truly a brand but the whole vibe of Tea with Tolkien is just so cozy and elegant and simple. Thank you. You're welcome. So how has, I guess, life changed for you now that you've been identified as a Tolkien content creator slash, slash influencer and more or less been thrust in the spotlight because in exchange for this trip we it was suggested by prime video that we share a post about how we were in in england and got to have a fun opportunity bizarrely we weren't allowed to really say much of anything yes <laughs> so it was i think it was confusing to the public because all of a sudden several people were like hey I got to go on a cool trip and it was cool. And that's all I can really tell you is it was cool. Yeah. Um, so that probably drew, I know from definitely from other content creators, it drew a lot of focus and attention onto them because there's so much speculation about what this new show was going to be and how faithful it was going to be to the books, which is a whole nother discussion because <laughs> they aren't actually allowed to touch anything mm -hmm. in the Silmarillion. Um, so how how did your life or your online presence change after uh, you made that post saying that, you know, you'd gone on this this trip? I think I got very lucky because, um, like I said, I was not one of the like most prominent people in our group. So I think they did get a lot more of the attention and kind of like negative attention. Um but I do remember on the day that our posts came out, and that was kind of hard because, like you said, we, we couldn't really give any detail. And so all of our posts ended up sounding very similar because we all went on the mm -hmm. same trip. Um, so then we had people suggesting that we had been given a script, which we weren't. Um, we were told that things we couldn't say, basically, we couldn't spoil anything. And, like, that was it. So... Um, a lot of it was just funny and I think I I was kind of sad at first I definitely like I definitely cried um at all of the oh. accusations and everyone calling me a shill um for a while but at this point I just laugh it's just funny to me 
Um, but yeah, because there was this assumption on the part of certain people in the public that we had all been paid or compensated right. in financially in some way to to give our opinions or to share that we were looking forward to or excited by the experience that we'd had. Um, and I mean, not only was that not the case, but it was, I, I also thought it was a really big learning experience and knowing who you are mm-hmm. and really rooting yourself in your identity and knowing your own truth because public perception isn't really something that any of us can control. Right. But I don't think we really saw the level of negativity coming that was thrown at us. Um, I'm glad you were in part sheltered from from some of that. Right. And I think for me, when I wrote my post about the experience, I was very clear. Um, I even wrote in the post, I, I literally wrote this, that I felt like I was being offered a ring by Anatar. And that's still how mm. I feel because I don't trust mm-hmm. Amazon. I I did end up liking the show for what it is, but it's not what I thought it would be. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it's like, it's just funny for someone to accuse you of being like bought and paid for when I'm, I'm comparing them to Sauron in disguise. Right. Um, so I just always found that a little bit interesting, but I think... I was I've always been very careful about how I've written about the show because I I did enjoy it but it, it's just it's not what I thought it would be and um I think it's kind of up to each each person's uh comfort level I guess whether you are willing to watch a show that kind of takes the source material and then runs in eight different directions with it Um, but personally, like I did end up loving it. So I am glad that I got to kind of experience it in this different way because I don't know, I think going on these, um, going on the trips and kind of getting to feel a little bit more connected to the show did enrich my experience of it because it's like, Mm -hmm. it feels like this is my adaptation, you know, like a lot of the actors are my age and it's like, this is. I wasn't around for the Hobbit movies or the Lord of the Rings. I ha- I didn't have a blog or anything at the time. So this is like, I don't know, it's just been a really exciting thing. So I think, yeah, it was really surprising dealing with the negativity. But at this point, it doesn't bother me anymore. And I feel like it was probably worth it. I don't know what you think. I know. I see with my outlet with happy hobbit we don't we're not really like a news a news channel we like teach people how to raise <laughs> chickens and bake certain things that a hobbit might bake um so we don't really offer reviews that often or even like do things to build hype so i ventured into that territory a little bit just because i genuinely was excited by especially by the um that trailer that we got to yeah. see at comic con just just a few days before the pub, the public did, um, and I was very hopeful that my expectations would be met. But also, to speak to what you've already touched on, it was more the sense of community, and I think we can't discount the isolation that we all went through during lockdown. And as you said, we were still just kind of coming out of the worst 
part of the pandemic when these events were being held and that that release of being around other Tolkien fans and having something to look forward to having something in our fandom that was moving forward was such an uplifting experience and we all watched that trailer in a little dark room together at Comic Con again a few days before the public so we felt <laughs> kind of special and I cried and I wasn't I'm not a crier I don't like crying in public and I was not moved by the material on screen I was moved that the people yeah. around me were moved I was moved by experiencing so much enthusiasm and joy and a Balrog appeared on screen and people were cheering and, and clapping jumping out of and... their seats too like a couple yes. people ran and, they and... literally flew out of their chairs and that's when I this is yeah I agree with you it's it's like it was the experience of being able to be with other people um and just like participating in this this moment together was just so special to me and letting your geek f flag fly yes and 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 just like yes we can have raw unbridled enthusiasm and funnily enough a lot of those people once they actually saw the show were very critical but yeah. and in that special moment that we got to share together it was just such a beautiful joyful thing mm -hmm. and I think it's also been very fun to just like the conversation surrounding the show even though it's not entirely positive um the fact that we're getting to have these conversations has been so fun for me like it's it's been almost two years since we mm -hmm. saw the first footage in London and I'm still like coming to new uh, realizations about season one or analyzing yeah. it in different ways or like putting pieces together and so the fact that I can continue doing that so like so much after the fact of the show um, and that we have these online communities where other people are still interested in doing that when like the rest of the world's moved on um, that has mm -hmm. been really really cool too so going further down that line of thinking what do you think it is about Tolkien that keeps you invested in his works and keeps you coming back and keeps you looking at it from different angles and peeling off the layers and, and wanting to engage in these discussions? I think it's the way that um, like Middle Earth has this depth that I don't think many other fictional worlds have that it feels so real because you can go down to the very names of the characters that all have a meaning and those they all mean something in these invented languages that actually make a bit of sense and then you can look at a map the map makes sense you can see how the languages and the maps work together um you can even pick out ecosystems yes and family trees <laughs> down generation to generation to generation like tolkien spent so much time and and put so much heart into it into creating the world that it feels real like and then you have books like the nature of middle earth like that is a big book the entire book is just about how this world works and the fact that tolkien gave us so much material to understand the world like when you're young and you're reading lord of the rings for the first time you're like oh hobbits and elves that's cool but you don't 
you you don't even see that underneath the surface is just like you said it's just layer under layer under layer and it just goes so deep um and i think the more you learn about middle earth the more you can kind of learn about our own world like i feel yeah. like i've gained such an appreciation for nature through reading tolkien where you're like out among our trees the real trees and you're like oh this kind of reminds me of the lord of the rings <laughs> and then you're like wait it's kind of supposed to be the other way around uh, but it's like tolkien had such a reverence for things like nature that uh it kind of rubs off on you that you're like wow i really like trees too now uh, yeah well that's something i've touched upon before in this show is he often assigns personhood mm -hmm. to trees. And I love hearing how that influenced your view of the natural world and helped facilitate looking through a different lens. I feel like the greatest fiction and the greatest stories, I don't know if I've ever experienced it with a film, but definitely with books, truly help you crawl into a different mindset and see the world through new eyes and then you get to carry that gift with you moving forward in yes, life it's almost like you put on glasses that are like middle earth tinted yeah and then you see the world <laughs> through this whole different light and it's such a gift and so like that's that's why i want to just help people read tolkien like that's one of my main goals with tea with tolkien is like i feel like tolkien gave me so much through his works and i know that a lot of people have a hard time getting through them so i want to help you get through them so that you can kind of have this gift that i feel like i've been given you know it's interesting because i've noticed this with myself and definitely with others sometimes it's almost as if we need permission to step outside of our identities and look at the world in a different way and experience the world in a different way. And in some ways, using the vehicle of Middle Earth, it sounds like it's helped you perhaps shed part of your identity and find a spark that connects you with trees when in the past, before Tolkien, maybe they were just objects on the landscape. Yeah, I, I definitely um, agree with that. I think like, or even the stars, when you think about the Silmarillion mm. and you think about the way that you have the Val of Arda creating the stars, um, it kind of gives this sort of like connection that you wouldn't have had. Like, obviously, stars are really cool. And if you kind of, you know, studied stars, you would have this appreciation for them. But having them connected in this way to the story that you love, I think is really special. And I also enjoy the way that it kind of I think piqued my interest in other mythologies too. Like you'll you'll be reading yeah. the Silmarillion and you're kind of like, oh, this kind of makes me want to read like Norse mythology. And and then you could get to the realization that Tolkien was inspired by these things. So it's it's cool that yeah. it's almost like if you had a shelf of all of the ancient myths, you could put the Silmarillion on that shelf next to Greek and Norse, you know, and Finnish. And so that I think is an adds a whole nother layer of depth to why Tolkien is so special. What a phenomenal achievement by this one person. I know I can't cite a direct quote, but I know that a huge desire of his when he was creating the tales of Middle Earth was to provide 
some sort of lost mythology for mm-hmm. England where he was where he was from and it sounds like he achieved that I mean as you were describing that process of looking at the stars differently looking at trees differently I was realizing his works have fulfilled the lost role of myth that we still seek culturally and as a society as a symbols through which to interpret and connect with the natural world and that's I think that's mm-hmm. just phenomenal it's incredible I I really don't know how he did it and and I think part of me is like well he lived before the internet and smartphones so he probably had so much free time but then you you get to learn about him he's a he's a husband he's a father he's a he has a full-time mm-hmm. job he had a very busy social life he also was super plugged in with his church community like when in the world did he have time for this um so it's just it's incredible i wish i was as productive as he was that's a really good point when did he have time like did he just not sleep <laughs> i know i think too do you know was he in his 80s when he passed um, I think he must have know? been close because he was born in the late 1800s and then he died in 1973. Okay. Yeah. So that's the thing too, is like, we're looking at the works of someone who by most accounts lived a long enriched life. And then also so much material that's out there was published posthumously by his son mm-hmm. but Tolkien still wrote it like he was still producing this stuff even if he was just doing it for fun right and I find it fascinating to think of his life and what he went through and how Middle Earth may have been like a cozy blanket for him even though I wouldn't really describe all of Middle Earth as cozy but a, a special sacred place where he could retreat and I want to say hide from the world, but as we've just talked about, that's not really true. It's a reflection of the world, but a place where he could go to make sense, maybe, mm-hmm. of the world and his life. Well, and, and I also wonder, too, if he was in a way, I mean, I know this this might be controversial, but if he in in a way was kind of processing everything he's gone through and working mm-hmm. through these things because he suffered in so many different ways, you know, the, the loss of his parents, the loss of his friends, the stress of himself being in war, and then his children going to war. Um, so mm-hmm. much changed during his life, too, like with just technological and, and, um, and you know, industrial advancements. Um, so I'm sure even though we know it, The Lord of the Rings, of course, is an allegory, like I'm, I'm sure his own personal experience is kind of coming into the way that he was writing. Absolutely. And I won't venture to speak for a literary genius like Tolkien, but as a creative writer myself, I could say that when I was younger, I probably would have said, no, it's all completely made up. It has nothing to do with me. But now that I'm older, I look back and I'm like, well, every single story I've told obviously is an expression of me and my life and my attempt to come to terms with maybe not always something I've been through, but through things I've witnessed and observed and the nature of humanity and the nat- and how we interact in the world. I mean, that that's all in there. That's what art is, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's that controversial. I think you're absolutely correct. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And 
you've also been very open about your your faith and your spirituality. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how Tolkien has either influenced or supplemented sure. your faith? Um, yeah. So, so I was um, raised an evangelical Christian, um, and I was generally fine with it. Um, but, but I, I, I guess I didn't ever feel like a sense of completeness. I guess in my beliefs. Um, but then, as I got older, I started to kind of research about the different kind of denominations of Christianity. And it was around then that I realized that Tolkien was Catholic. And I saw Tolkien as someone who was like, this guy's got it figured out. Like, this guy <laughs> knows what he's doing. And his his stories make so much sense. And I literally was like, well, you know, if it's good enough for Tolkien, it's good enough for me. And, like, obviously that wasn't the whole the whole um process mm -hmm. but i do feel like that played a small role in my decision then to become catholic mm -hmm. um and it was just the sense of like feeling as if he that's how the world works i guess the way that his mind works and the way that um his philosophy works um is very influenced by his catholic upbringing and so kind of seeing it bleed out onto the page even though it's not meant to be something to kind of evangelize um it's just he's just telling a story from his own heart um it was something there was something that drew me to it a lot and um i feel like i i i'm just very like inspired i guess by his life and mm -hmm. all of the things that were a part of his life and his faith was a big part of his life and i think reading tolkien and kind of reading it through the lens of the philosophy that he was a part of or the 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 way that his mind was oriented if that makes sense mm -hmm. um i think it adds a lot of depth and i don't feel like sometimes people get into this like tolkien was catholic so only catholics can understand him and and we own tolkien you know mm -hmm. and i don't ever want to do anything like that like tolkien is for everyone and i don't think that you need to ascribe to any sort of like certain belief system to understand Tolkien but mm -hmm. for me kind of trying to look at Tolkien through his own mindset I guess mm -hmm. in terms of his religious faith has added a lot of depth for me and it's just been like very encouraging throughout my daily life it sounds like it's very enriching yeah for you and for uh, members of your community too yeah, and we, we do have a lot of Catholics in our group because um, I would say like a foundational foundation of <laughs> Tolkien is that we are inspired by the life, works, and faith of Tolkien. But I always make sure to put, you know, like on our, if you're joining our Discord, it says, you know, there are a lot of Catholics in here, um, but anyone of any belief is welcome. All we ask is that you just like are respectful um, and like we've we've only maybe had like two issues of people being kind of like blatantly, you know, like the Pope is the devil kind of thing. Oh, dear. Um, antagonistic. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like antagonistic, you know, like most people are very normal. Like I'm not going to push anything on you. You're not going to push anything on me. We can coexist and um, we can learn from each other, too, because like while I might know a lot about Tolkien's 
uh, religious beliefs, someone else might know a lot about his his love of language and how it uh, influenced him. And, and then someone else over here knows about his love for Norse mythology. And so when we all come mm-hmm. together, I think we can form a really complete, not complete, I guess, because that's impossible, but like a really rich understanding of Tolkien. And, and our discussions are really fun because of that. Which I feel is truly in the spirit of Tolkien, because yes, he was a devout Catholic, but as we see through his study of mythology and how he wanted to honor history and foundation myths of the past, and I think incredibly successfully, probably more successfully than any other writer created what feels and tastes and interacts with us as mm-hmm. a living myth. Um, he was not exclusionary at all. And he, he had friends like, you know, he had friends of all kinds of beliefs or situations or lifestyles in his own life. So why shouldn't I, you know? Yeah, I feel like he kept such an open, curious mind. And he was so intellectual. You know, he could have a, it seems like he could have an open discussion with people who had very different lifestyles even mm-hmm. than him and he was fascinated to to learn about their life and to learn about how they looked at the world it doesn't necessarily mean that he was going to bring that home with him and say well this is how I look at the world now but I think that that level of fellowship yes is a thoroughfare of his work and of our communities especially your community yeah, I th- I think so. I like to I like to hope that it's it's welcoming. I mean, that's like one of my top goals is to make sure that people don't ever feel pushed out or or excluded because I want this group to be like a little safe haven for anyone. Yeah. Cuz there's definitely a narrative pushed by I'm just going to say the media even <laughs> though that's sweeping such a broad a broad sweeping claim. Um but there's this narrative pushed of close-mindedness and division. And often as soon as one of the Abrahamic faiths are brought up, the claim is made that like, oh, there's, there isn't room for people who aren't part of that faith in the conversation. And I've just found that to very rarely be true in a cult real life and like right. in my experience. Right. And to that point, I feel like on the surface or on paper, people might look at you and me and be like, oh, well, Kelly's over there doing weird kind of witchy stuff. She's looking at pre-Christian indigenous European customs. And then there's Caitlin, who's who's a Catholic, and she's very open about that being part of her faith. And someone might be like, oh, these two would never be friends. These two couldn't ever right. get along. But in direct opposition to that, I feel like I've had some of the most spiritually enriching deep conversations with you albeit very late at night <laughs> yeah I was at gonna Comic-Con. Say, it's always late at night <laughs> at comic-con <laughs> um but there's something there's like a, it's kind of a there's this insular feel when it is very late at night you know mm-hmm. where the rest of the world is quiet and you can go into these really deep places that our society often teaches us not to go just in case you upset someone. But I just really appreciate your openness and sharing what your faith has meant to you and how your faith has influenced how you view the world with me because I've found it 
incredibly beautiful and welcoming and warm and full of love and not at all I don't see any echoes of this false dichotomy that we're often fed again by the narratives of the media or our society that there are people of a certain faith and people who may not belong to that certain faith and that they can't get along or they can't have friendships or conversations. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's very encouraging. Yeah. So to the point of us coming from different backgrounds, I feel like I've met so many people who I'm now close with through the Tolkien community. And it's because we held Tolkien in common. And then through our discussions of Tolkien, it naturally trickled out into exploring more about each other's backgrounds and where people come from and what their worldviews are. And that's been such a beautiful gift in my life. Have you experienced that as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, there are, especially when you think of um, all of the people that I've met online, uh, there are just so many different different kinds of people that I've gotten to meet. And I feel like my life is so enriched by all of their different perspectives, even just on Tolkien. You know, we can mm. get into like these big debates. Did did the Balrog have wings? Like that's a big, that's a fun topic. Um, <laughs> and It is very controversial. It is, which is so funny to me. I love kind <laughs> of like poking people with it, like uh, just messing with them a little bit. But even just even just within the realm of Tolkien and Tolkien thought and Tolkien studies, there are so many different people that I've met and and gotten to hear their insights and you know different people who make podcasts or YouTube videos or or um, even just post online that you get to meet or honestly people who create Tolkien art too. That's probably one of the best parts about being in the Tolkien community is seeing these different artistic representations of Tolkien characters. The ones yeah. that, like from the Silmarillion, that we're probably never going to see on screen. You get to see right. this. It's kind of like an untouched perspective. Because with the movies, you know, everyone kind of visualizes Frodo in a similar way now that we've seen Elijah mm -hmm. Wood. You think of Frodo and you just picture his his face. Um, but you get people like Glorfindel, who we've never seen on screen. You get to see a thousand different takes on what he looks like. Um, and that is just it's so wonderful. It's one of the coolest things about being a Tolkien fan. Yeah, getting to, in a way, step into someone else's imagination yes. and have a look around. Yeah, because we're all reading the same words yeah. on a book. But then you get to see what's what they're picturing in their minds. And I think that's really cool. And it's really a vulnerable thing to share your art because people could tear it to shreds. Yeah. So I think these artists who share, especially like, non-traditional um interpretations you know they aren't just like 50 old white guys um right those i i think that they're they're really awesome well i haven't mentioned it yet but you are also a very talented artist oh gosh <laughs> and have you is that what it feels like for you because it sounds like you're speaking from experience about that level of vulnerability when you're sharing a piece of artwork with the public because it's a piece of yourself yeah, I think, I guess I worry more about other people than I worry about myself mm -hmm. um, because I, I feel like my account is to a point where I feel very established. And so I do kind of feel like nobody can hurt me, uh, which is a nice place to be in. 
And yeah. so I do, I worry a lot more about the people with smaller accounts who are just kind of just starting out. Um, and so I always try to like be very, very supportive of them. Um, when I do post my own art, it's really, it's really, really cool when people resonate with it because some of the, the things I've drawn are like, I don't know, I guess they, they speak to themes that mean a lot to me, like, um, kind of like reaching out of despair or like a grasping towards the light, um, those sorts of things. So it's, yeah. it does mean a lot to me when people appreciate them, but, uh, I guess I don't worry as much about people tearing them to shreds because I'll just mute them, I guess. Well, you, it sounds like you're coming full circle and that when you first started, you were looking at these, like the big kids in the sandbox, like, like the one ring.net yes. and they were helping you out, giving you their shovel to play with in their bucket. And now you're one of the big kids in the sandbox who can turn to the littler kids and help them out. Yeah. And I, I will never forget the people who, who kind of like helped me out when I was new. And so I, well, I always want to make sure to help out other new, new folks. As we wrap up, I wanted to continue this this line of conversation of in terms of helping support other people in the Tolkien community. I am obviously a female Tolkien content creator, as are you. Do you want to speak to that a bit? Because there is this perception that our fandom is all males and mm -hmm. that it's a very... I don't know. I'm starting to pick up on the vibe that like people think it's kind of like hyper macho and nerdy, like yeah. like nerdy guys. That has not at all been my experience with the fandom. And I maybe that's skewed because me and my sister doing our show, being relatively young women at the time, maybe we were maybe like was attracting like. But even through conventions and as I've moved through the world. I have the majority of my friends who are Tolkien fans are, are women and girls. And I'm wondering what your experience has been like. I think I, well, I think the first thing is I don't post a lot of photos of myself. <laughs> um, and even my profile picture is like me with half of my face behind a book. So mm -hmm. you, you can't totally tell that I'm a girl. Um, and I think that works to my advantage a lot of times. Um, just because as soon as people on the internet find out that you're a woman, sometimes they treat you differently. Um, mm -hmm. And so I kind of just, I I think my main thing is I try not to make tea with Tolkien about myself very much in general. Mm -hmm. um, just because I don't like attention. I like to kind of divert it to Tolkien, you know, or right. di divert it to whatever I'm talking about. Um but I do feel like there definitely are a lot of, of women in the Tolkien community. And I was looking at my Instagram stats the other day, and I posted that one. Um, and it's almost 80% women who follow me on Instagram. And I was talking to some other content creators, and they said theirs were very different, more like 50-50 or more skewed towards male. So I think a lot of it is because the stuff that I post is kind of cutesy. Um, mm. I remember a couple of years ago, I did some art and I got a complaint that it was too feminine. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm a girl. I don't, 
like yeah you can find some other art somewhere else like there's plenty I'm, of other options right so <laughs> so there have been times you know along the way that there's been like little run-ins like that but I think um I think it helps us stand out in a way too because we do have more of a unique perspective um but at the same time it's kind of frustrating uh being like like this isn't my full-time job I'm also a stay-at-home mom um, I'm also pregnant right now. And so I am not able to like keep up with putting out content as much as say uh, a married man who has, oh, you know, a partner who takes care of their kids and then you know, it's their full-time job. Like it, right. it does get kind of like, it's like you're sitting there doing, and I obviously like, I love being a mother and, and a wife and that's my priority, but it's hard to like, see someone who doesn't have all of these like like these people they don't have to clean their toilets that's why they're getting a youtube video out twice a week you know you need you need a wife caitlin yes i need a wife <laughs> that's the that's the thing it's like i see everyone else who has their their um like stay-at-home partner and then i'm like that's me i'm the stay-at-home partner that's why i can't like keep up with this kind of like it's so it feels like content creation is like this hamster wheel you know that yeah. Everyone else is going faster than me on it. And so I think that's kind of frustrating, but um, it's also not limiting. Like, I think I'm doing fine and um, sure, I could be doing a little bit better, but I'm I'm also happy with where I'm at too. But I will say to that, that there's a difference between quantity and quality. For sure, yeah. And I think so many people have recognized the quality of the thoughts that you share and the posts you make and the artwork you create and that people gravitate toward that. And as a fan, rather than as a content creator, I also don't have the time to just enmesh myself in this stuff. So I feel like if we're talking about tiers of fandom, there are people who, for whatever their circumstances, do have the time or they choose to spend that time consuming a lot of Tolkien-related content. But then there's a lot of us who just dip in and out. and For sure, yeah. But, so I think that, yes, it would be nice probably for you to be able to have more security in your platform and, and more time and resources and energy to continue to create what you want to create but don't I just don't want you to discount the quality of what you create and represent For sure. and the trust more importantly the trust that you've built within our community mm -hmm. yeah I think there's like I think with every industry there's like the sense of competition and wanting to be the best you know and I like I want to be number one but I think it's yeah. it's kind of comes back to Tolkien and it's like I'm not a wizard I'm a hobbit but I can still do great <laughs> things you know <laughs> I think you're doing wonderful things I think you're a beautiful wonderful person inside and out and I'm really really honored that I got to turn to you and ask you to be my very first guest oh, yes. because thank you I'm so new to this and I apologize if I was like really nervous at the start of this conversation because I'm not used to interviewing people. No, you did great. And is there anything you want to share in clo in closing? Maybe something you have 
coming up or even just where we can find you or sure anything anything um well i have a book coming out but it's not going <gasps> to be coming out until 2026 probably okay congratulations um, thank you um i signed a a real book deal um so there will be more about that in the coming months and years um but uh closer on the horizon i'm leading a silmarillion book club this summer so if anyone has always wanted to read the silmarillion but they haven't been able to get through it or maybe they've read it once but they still are confused i would highly recommend them joining and it's a free book club you can learn more at teawithtolkien.com and i will be sure to put that link in the show notes as well awesome well, Caitlin, once again, thank you so much for joining me. This has been really fun. I hope to have you on again in the future at some point. Yes, that would be awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you, dear listener, for giving me an hour of your time. If you have enjoyed this conversation and this episode, please do be sure to follow this podcast and share it with anyone else who you think might also be interested. The music you've heard today is by the very talented composer Lane Thomas's album the Lands Beyond, which is available now for streaming and download. You can check out the link in my show notes. Please feel free to keep up with me by following me on social media. Until next time, may your hearth be warm and your heart be full. <laughs>